In this lesson, I'm going to discuss with you the importance of the varieties of English in both oral and written context to identify some grammatical, lexical, and syntactic features of post-colonial varieties of English in Asian contexts, and of course to demonstrate knowledge about the concept of registers of English in spoken and written language. Now, during your senior high school years, you must have encountered the term World Englishes, or WE, or we call this one the Varieties of English. WE actually stands for the localized varieties of English as they are used or spoken in certain areas. And this is introduced by Brad Skatshru, who is an Indian linguist. There is actually a wide range of differing approaches to the description and analysis of English worldwide. So there is what we call English as an international language, or we call it global English, or international English, or Englishes. We have the localized varieties of English, the new varieties of English, or the non-native varieties of English. So we have the new Englishes as of this time. So these new Englishes are used by Nigeria and Kenya, which is called the Caribbean or the East African or the West African English. And we have the Asian Englishes, which is used by Hong Kong, so we call it the Hong Kong English or the Indian English, Malaysian English, Singaporean English, and Philippine English. So the famous three concentric circles of Asian Englishes is attributed to, as I have mentioned, Katshru, and presents what we call the three circles. So the three circles is composed of the inner circle, the outer circle, and the expanding circle. So the inner circle is what we call the English as a native language. They, these countries, uh, which countries use the English as a native language? We have the United States of America, Australia, the United Kingdom, New Zealand, and Canada. So these are the member countries. And for the outer circle, we call this one uh, countries that make use of English as their second language. And this is where we belong. And the member countries include Bangladesh, Kenya, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Ghana, Malaysia, the Philippines, Tanzania, India, Nigeria, Singapore, and Zambia. And finally, we have the expanding circle, or we call it uh, English as a foreign language. And this is used by countries like China, Indonesia, Korea, South Africa. We have the Caribbean countries, Israel. Nepal, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Egypt, Japan, Saudi Arabia, and Thailand. So world Englishes actually symbolize the functional and formal variation in the language and its international acculturation. So the language now, the English language now belongs to those who use it as their first language and to those who use it as an additional language, whether it is a standard form or in its localized form. So there is no longer what we call the, the right English or the standard English because we now have what we call the varieties of English. Okay, so what are the four stages in the life cycle of new varieties of English or how, uh, how, how does or how do new varieties of English come about? So according to Rodney Moag, the first stage is transportation. 
So in these states, the language is brought to a new environment, aiming to take a more permanent root. Then the second state is the indigenization, where the new varieties of English becomes distinct from the present language and the indigenized varieties as well. So this results in lexical borrowing or borrowing of words or borrowing of sentence structures from the local language. Then we have the third stage, which is the expansion in use and function. And this allows the use of English in, of course, new domains. So English becomes a second instead of a foreign language. So here, the variety of English gradually develops an informal style, which is influenced by vernacular languages existing in the community. And then the fourth and the final stage is now the institutionalization, where the language now sees the further growth of the transplanted language by its use in creative writing by local writers. Then we also have the restriction, which may or may not occur, of course. And should it occur, a vernacular language poses a challenge and the national language gradually takes control of the former domains of English until fewer people will speak it. Then we also have what we call the sociolectal varieties of English, which may come in acrolectal form, mesolectal, or basilectal. So the acrolectal form is this kind of English is used by broadcasters, the approximates, and the general American English, while the mesolectal form is used by professionals which is marked by phonological deviations from the general American English, but accepted, of course, by educated Filipinos. Then we also have the basilectal, which is the speaker's ethnic tongue from the substratum of English. Now, as regards structural variation, Katshru and Nelson in 2006 claimed that these varieties of English are influenced by the local language or the local languages in various areas of their grammars and exhibit specific phonological, lexical, syntactic, and discourse characteristics. For instance, in terms of stress and rhythm, outer and expanding circles, varieties observe syllabi-timed rhythm rather than stress-timed rhythm. So the Nigerians say, success for success and the indians and nigerians say recognize for recognize so moreover speakers from the outer and expanding circles do not make any changes in their pronunciation to make distinction between nouns and verbs in pairs which inner circle countries observe as in the case of import and import and they do not utilize contrastive stress for focusing. As regards sounds, outer and expanding circles do not observe initial aspiration of the voiceless plosives such as p or t and k, and these are often perceived by inner circle countries as p and t and k. So some speakers of expanding circle varieties 
as in the case of Japanese speakers, do not actually properly distinguish between R and L. Okay. So according to Pope, in 1976, as cited by Katrin Nelson in 2006, in the case of syntactic features, question-answering systems differ between inner and expanding circles. While the inner circle observes the positive-negative system, where the answer follows the polarity of the question, so for that is, if the question is in the positive, the answer confirming the assumption of the questioner is in the positive, and the answer disconfirming the assumption is in the negative. If, however, the question is in the negative, the answer confirming the assumption of the questioner is in the negative as well, while the answer disconfirming the assumption of the questioner is in the positive. So the latter observes the agreement-disagreement system which poses difficulty to speakers who follow the positive-negative system, particularly in interpreting the yes or no of the response unless it is followed by clarification. That is, yes, I think you're right, or no, that's not. So with respect to lexicon, vocabulary words peculiar only to some English varieties in Southeast Asia can be noted as seen by the following examples, meaning there are certain terms in English which are only found or used in Southeast Asia. Say, for example, in Singapore. So the word axti, which means show off. We have the word misi, which they refer to as nurse or chop, C-H-O-P, which they refer to as rubber stamp. Or marina kids, they call it the youngsters who spend their leisure time around Marina Square or a shopping center. We also have, they have this term in Singapore called graduate mothers, uh, which means well-educated married women. Okay, so we also have here in the Philippines, we have a deep puristic or hard to understand as an attribute of our English. Like for example, why we call it hard to understand. We call cigarette stick, and we call high blood uh, as hypertensive. We uh, have the word blow out, which we uh, say when we want someone to, to treat us with a snack or meal. Then we have the word motel, a hotel used for premarital or extramarital affairs. We also have the term manualize, so it's only in, in the Philippines where we term it manualize, which means to prepare manuals. Or the word go ahead, meaning to leave before others with the host permission. So when somebody asks permission and say, can I go? And we say, go ahead. Then we also have the term student tree, only in the Philippines, which we term it or we refer to it as a student body. Then we also have the word amboy, uh, a term we use to call a Filipino perceived to be too pro-American. Then we have the term promdi, or we call it from the province, okay? Then we also have the term behest loan, which we refer to as unguaranteed bank loan given to presidential cronies. Then we also have the term pulot boy. Or we call it the boy who picks up tennis balls in a game. 
or we have the Balikbayan box this term which we refer to it as the box for Filipinos returning from abroad put all their shopping among others okay so in Malaysia also we have the word antilog which means a male hated by a girl so that is their term we have popcorn if in the Philippines popcorn is something that is eaten in Malaysia popcorn means a loquacious person or madaldal we also have kachang which they term it as peanuts or easy then we have slumbar that is their term for relax then we also have the red spot often shelf which means girls who are popular and those who are not then we also have day bags for those who come to attend school but do not live in residence halls okay so when bautista's monograph on defining standard philippine english so what is really standard english it's status and grammatical features this uh, writing by bautista which came in 2000 she answered that uh, the usual question asked about philippine english is there a standard philippine english or when does an error become a feature of philippine english she stressed that just like any other new variety of english like indian english singaporean or nigerian philippine english is legitimate it has its own grammatical lexical and syntactic features so gonzalez then identified the following lexical features in philippine english so what are the features of philippine english so in philippine english there is a preference for specific words and collocations specifically uh, the word shall, could, such, or were in to signal possession. We also have unusual words and collocations for specific terms and word combinations, which may have been originally confused with other collocations, but which, because of frequent use, have become fixed combinations in their own right. For example, like results to, we, we use that instead of saying results in. And there is the unusual preposition usage, including the omission of prepositions in two-word verbs, the addition of prepositions to verb phrases, and the local use of different prepositions in noun phrases following certain verbs or adjectives. So, uh, there is also the syntactic features identified, like the word order features consisting of the placement of the time adverb before the place adverb or the placement of the adverb between verb and object the placement of the adverb between noun and prepositional phrase and the placement of the indirect object introduced by to between verb and direct object other unusual adverb placements we also have the use of articles including the absence of the definite article the unusual use of the definite article the or the absence of the indefinite article the we also have the noun subcategorization consisting of the noun pluralization of count nouns the recent classification of the general american english mass nouns as count nouns and then mass noun pluralization and the pluralization of adjectival nouns in compounds we also have pronoun antecedent incongruence, the subject predicate incongruence, and the tense aspect usage consisting of unusual use of verb forms and tenses, use of the perfect tense wherein the simple past tense or even present tense is called for in the general 
American English and the lack of tense sequence. So as for the question, what does an error become or when does an error become a feature of Philippine English? Gonzalez answered, when do these errors cease to be errors and become part of the standard? If enough educated elites in the society commit these errors, then these errors in effect have been accepted by the society as the standard. So uh, these are only some of the essential features of some varieties of English which should be given full attention by users coming from different countries. So from the variety of English used by the native uh, speakers such as British, Americans, Canadians, Australians, and New Zealanders, English has evolved into post-colonial varieties and should not be mistaken as errors, most especially if they have become the standard in the speech community and have become codified. You have to be aware of and recognize intercultural communication as you need to be sensitive to the people around you when when uh, you who belong to different cultural heritages and have their own linguistic identity. When you encounter them, you will be able to avoid misunderstanding and avoid communication breakdowns and overcome language barriers with less difficulty since you are exposed to their own language features. So this way, you will be able to enhance your personal and social interactions. Okay. So, uh, intercultural communication plays an important role in achieving effective communication. You have to remember that. Okay. Language has its formal and informal varieties. And these registers have forms which define the social situation. So the kind of register to be used, of course, the kind of uh, words that we use affects the way one speaks and writes. Okay. And uh, there are different varieties of English spoken by countries colonized by Britain, the United States, Canada, and Australia. So we have Singapore English. Malaysian English, Philippine English, and Thai English, among others. And these varieties have their own grammatical, lexical, and syntactic features and should not be considered as errors.